From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, thanks for tuning in for this Wednesday edition of Washington Watch. Coming up, as Congress returns here to our nation's capital, what is at the top of their to-do list? Is it to address the historic level of inflation? Maybe focus on the growing threat of China? Well, maybe it's the border crisis at our southern border. No, it's D, none of the above. Here we are again, starting another Senate work period with not one word from the Democratic leader about plans to bring bills to the floor to cut inflation, fight the crime wave, or secure the border. The American people have communicated loud and clear what their priorities are. And Democrats keep communicating loud and clear. They simply do not care. That was Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell earlier today. Instead, Democrats are taking their cues from President Biden's rant last week attacking conservatives. MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards, backwards to an America where there is no right to choose, no right to privacy, no right to contraception, no right to marry who you love. They promote authoritarian leaders and they fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law, to the very soul of this country. Well, taking his cues, Senate Democrat leader Chuck Schumer today was on the Senate floor. After four years of President Trump, who spent all his time, it seems, just being nasty and negative and calling people names, but never getting, making promises and never getting anything concrete done, Democrats are actually delivering with real results. So what are they delivering? Inflation? High crime. Well, we're going to talk about it with North Dakota Senator Kevin Kramer. One of the topics that we will talk about with uh, Senator Kramer, the Democrats are focusing on an effort to codify into federal statute the court's redefinition of marriage, which would only accelerate the hostility toward religious freedom. Hostility like that of New York that attempted to shut down an adoption provider. Why? Because of their Christian beliefs. Fortunately, this time, the left failed after a court battle. Jake Warner with Alliance Defending Freedom, who represented the adoption agency, joins us with the details of this victory. And despite the mounting evidence of harm, the World Professional Association for Transgender Health is expected to release guidelines for medical providers lowering the recommended age for chest and genital surgeries to minors. That's driving this dangerous agenda? Well, we're going to talk about it with Dr. Jennifer Bowens, director of the Center for Family Studies here at FRC. An alarming finding in a survey conducted by the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University. Nearly 40% of evangelical pastors said there is no absolute moral truth, that, quote, each individual must determine their own truth, end quote. What is behind this drift from biblical orthodoxy? And could this be a part of the cultural drift we see in America? Dr. Keenan Curitan, Vice President for Christian Resources here at FRC, joins me for that conversation. You won't want to miss it. The website, TonyPerkins.com, lots of resources there for you. Be sure and check it out. Also, check out WashingtonStand.com. It's where you can find news and commentary from a biblical perspective. That's WashingtonStand.com. Now, you want to hear 
from some of the nation's leading conservative voices? Well, next week is your chance. The annual Pray Vote Stand Summit begins next Wednesday night in Atlanta, Georgia, at the First Baptist Church. The summit begins Wednesday night, and it ends on Friday night. You'll hear from leaders like Sam Brownback, Dr. Ben Carson, Senator James Langford, Mike Huckabee, Governor Brian Kemp, Jensen Franklin, and Dr. Al Mohler, Ali Beth Stuckey, and many, many more. Now, we're in a battle for the soul of America, and now is the time for followers of Jesus to come together to pray for our nation, to stand collectively for biblical truth, and to pledge to vote for those who will uphold biblical values. And I want to invite you to join us. There's still space. It's filling up, but there's still space. So on Friday, I'm going to have an electronic drawing for a complimentary family pass to this year's Pray Vote Stand Summit. To register for this drawing, simply text the word SUMMIT to 67742. That's 67742, the word SUMMIT, and you'll be registered to win a complimentary pass for your family. Again, text the word SUMMIT to 67742. The word for today comes from Proverbs 19, verse 23. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. You know, there's freedom in following the Word of God. Fear of the Lord is not a quaking, shaking fear of God like the cowering of a mistreated puppy. It is a reverence and an honor toward God. It's a a love for God, heeding His instruction. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Far from restricting us and stealing our joy, reading and heeding, the Word of the Lord gives us the freedom to truly enjoy life because it keeps us from going over the edge on this often dangerous and curvy road we call life. To join us in this journey through the Bible, stand on the Word, go to TonyPerkins.com. You can also join me each weekday morning for a short devotional based on the day's passage. You can find that as well at TonyPerkins.com. As I mentioned, the U.S. Senate is back in session this week, and at the top of the Democrats' agenda is legislation to codify a redefinition of marriage. The House of Representatives passed similar legislation in July, with even 47 Republicans voting to approve. We're fortunate the August recess arrived before the Senate could hold its vote. Since then, I've heard from viewers and listeners of this program, and I've heard from members of Congress. And they've been hearing from you as you have reached out to them in opposition to this bill. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Senator Kevin Kramer. He serves on five committees, including the Senate Budget Committee. He represents the state of North Dakota. Senator Kramer, welcome back to the program. It's always good to be with you. Thanks, Tony. Well, welcome back to the city. Um, as, As we heard earlier, a lot of things that are concerning to Americans, inflation, rising crime rates, chaos at the border, but that doesn't seem to be at the top of the Democrats' agenda. Well, it sure isn't. And I mean, when you consider the speech that President Biden delivered in what looked to me like a Batman set, Batman movie set, um, it it seems to be uh, all about Donald Trump, which I find absolutely um, amusing in some respects that the that the current president is more, um, you know, sort of motivated by the previous president than he is by the the uh, effects of his own presidency. And I I find it to be insecure. I find it to be a bit uh, desperate, quite honestly, that he would choose to attack his predecessor and the people who support his predecessor uh, while not talking about any of the things that people are talking to me about back home in North Dakota, the, the issues that you've raised with inflation and crime especially. 
Senator, I don't know, is it just me, but even today when Senator Schumer went to the floor talking about yeah. pre President Trump calling people names, being ugly, yeah. and you just heard the clip from President Biden accusing half of America of being right. MAGA Republicans and being against the Constitution, against the rule of law. To me, it sounds an awful lot like the Democrats are trying to cover their trails uh, and they're projecting on the Republicans what they've been doing for the last dozen years. Well, it's hard not, you know, it's hard to, to miss the irony in it, isn't it? I mean, Joe Biden talking about Republicans as though we're not for the rule of law when he's the guy, he's the head of the party that has been all about um, defunding the police, encouraging riots in the streets. I mean, Chuck Schumer himself encouraging, you know, at least threatening Supreme Court justices by name with, with physical harm. Uh, really quite ironic. But what I see in all of this, I, I mentioned a little bit ago a sense of desperation as well as insecurity. I think Democrats are feeling very desperate because their own base is not reliable right now. Their own base is dissatisfied. And it seems to me that their rhetoric is trying to shore up their own base, never mind, you know, the independent voters, the, you know, the, the, the middle ground voters, if you will, um, that are looking for real solutions, substantive solutions. Uh, Senator Kramer, let's talk a little bit about what is at the top of their agenda. One of yeah. those is what they call the Respect for Marriage Act, a, a very poorly named, it should be named the Disrespect for Marriage Act. This will only accelerate, as I mentioned a few moments ago, the threats to religious freedom in this country. What are you hearing about this bill? What are you hearing from your colleagues? What are the prospects? Well, I think, first of all, what I'm hearing from North Dakotans, which matters the most to me, is overwhelmingly they, they oppose this legislation. So people are reading it, they're hearing about it, and they see it for what it is. Um, what I hear from my colleagues, there's certainly a, a few, and you know, we know generally who they are by my colleagues, I mean Republican colleagues, is who just want to get this thing behind us, and the, and the fastest, faster we can do that, the better, and the best way to do that is to simply give them the votes they need to pass the bill. That would be a terrible mistake. I don't believe there are 10 Republicans that will fall for that. Um, because what we're hearing from people, and you touched on it, in, in addition to or maybe even separate from the definition of marriage itself and how it's codified, is the potential attack on religious liberties once a bill like this would pass. Because in many respects, passing a bill like this really sends a pretty strong message that, that religious beliefs don't matter. And, and th this would have such overwhelming ramifications for for obviously churches, but also those faith-based organizations that, that create schools and build hospitals and orphanages and feed hungry people and all of the things that faith and the compassion that comes from faith do on behalf of, of our society. And they do it in a way that's compassionate, unlike the federal government. And I think, Tony, this is as much about religious liberty as it is about marriage and recognizing another state's definition of marriage. Uh, Senator, I, I, I think you're absolutely correct, you know, because we've seen in the seven years since the court redefined marriage, we've seen this acceleration of hostility oftentimes at the hands of government. We're going to be talking in our next se segment with an ADF attorney who represented an adoption agency, a faith-based adoption agency that receives no government money but was being they were trying they were being targeted by the state of New York simply because they wanted to place children with married couples married men and and, and women moms and dads and that was because of their faith is that message about this threat to religious freedom getting through to your colleagues 
So Tony, I think it is getting through and, and you teed it up very nicely when you said, fortunately, the August recess came along in time for us to go home and hear from our constituents, hear from our priests and our pastors and the praying men and women of our churches, the people that start these types of ministries that are so compassionate and provide a service that's so important. And by the way, remember, if you didn't have faith-based organizations doing all of these things, the alternative is the government. And, and that's really what liberals want. They want the government to replace the church, to replace the body of Christ, to, to replace, um, you, know, you know, compassionate faith-based services. And I don't want that. Really, in, in many respects, Tony, uh, you know, and I don't like to be too hard on the church, but but I think for a long time we took our eye off the ball. We even sort of liked the idea that the government would feed hungry people, that they would clothe the poor, that they would visit the sick. And I always like to tell my colleagues that the Sermon on the Mount wasn't delivered to the democracy or to the Congress. It was delivered to the disciples and the church and the congregation. And I just, I don't want us to lose neither that responsibility or that obligation as faithful people. And we have to, we have to fight back on this. Well said. In fact, we're going to talk about that more, why the church is kind of, I think, drifting from that understanding of that responsibility. Senator Kramer, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. And welcome back to town. Always my pleasure. Thank you, Tony. All right. Senator Kramer of North Dakota. All right. We're going to talk next about the very present and real danger to religious freedom, a case out of New York, as I was just mentioning. We're going to talk with the Alliance Defending Freedom, who represented this adoption agency successfully. But the threat continues, and we don't need to accelerate it by passing bad legislation. So you need to speak to your senators before they vote on this Disrespect for Marriage Act. Don't go away. More Washington Watch straight ahead. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, We are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with the prayer guide. 
To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldviews monthly newsletter, visit frc.org slash worldview. Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us on this Wednesday afternoon. An example of the threat to religious freedom that the redefinition of marriage has created has been front and center in the state of New York, where the state attempted to shut down a faith-based adoption provider. Well, in this case, some good news. A federal district court issued an order just today to permanently prevent the state of New York from targeting this agency simply because of its religious beliefs. This is what the adoption agency wanted to do, place children with married moms and dads, based upon what the Bible teaches. The New York State Office of Children and Family Services had singled out New Hope Family Services for its policy. The nonprofit agency was consistently praised by the state for its stellar performance, but it was given the ultimatum of changing its policies or being shut down. Joining me now to discuss this is Jake Warner, Senior Counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom, which represented New Hope Family Services in this case. Jake, welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks for having me on the show today. Hey, congratulations on uh, yet another victory. Uh, walk us through the, any of the details that I missed in this case. Well, it was a big win today in court for New Hope Family Services. They are a religious adoption provider, and they've been around since 1965. They've given over 1,000 kids a loving home. And a few years ago, they were targeted by the state of New York over their policy to place children in the homes of loving moms and dads and to refer others out when uh, they were asked to do otherwise. And for exercising their faith this way, the state of New York tried to punish them. They tried to shut them down, um, eliminating their ability to provide loving homes for kids. Now, a couple of, uh, I think, very important points to make in this with New Hope is the fact that they were a private religious organization that did not receive any government money. They were all supported. Uh, they were supported solely by donations and a fee that uh, adoptive parents would uh, would pay to them. So what was the justification of the state coming in to shut them down? Well, the state disagreed with their religious beliefs shortly after New Hope received this letter telling them that they had to either shut down or abandon their beliefs. 
many of the approved religious adoption centers in the state of New York disappeared from the state's websites of approved providers. So what this shows is that the state was targeting religious providers like New Hope Family Services. So in response to this religious targeting, ADF filed a lawsuit on behalf of New Hope Family Services. And thankfully today, the, the, the court ruled uh, that the state couldn't target um, New Hope Family Services this way or compel their, their speech, compel them to affirm a view of marriage uh, or of what's best for the family that's inconsistent with their faith. So, Jake, what implications will this have for other faith-based organizations operating in the state of New York? Well, this decision should give, give hope to any religious adoption provider in New York that they should be allowed to uh, live and work, uh, place uh, children consistently with their religious beliefs without being uh, targeted or punished by the government. And this builds on a case that the U.S. Supreme Court recently decided in Philadelphia. You might remember the Fulton case right. where the U.S. Supreme Court said that the city of Philadelphia couldn't interfere with the religious decisions of an adoption provider in that case. So we hope that this decision, this permanent injunction uh, stopping New York from targeting religious adoption providers will give other adoption providers in the state good hope that their constitutional rights will not be infringed. So, so Jake... Um, is this kind of the, the new norm for Christian organizations that we're, we're talking right now of adoption, but it could be another service that they provide, but simply because they hold the biblical views of human sexuality and marriage, they're being targeted not by left-wing organizations. We expect that. But this is coming from the own their own government that in many cases benefit from the benevolent services that these organizations provide. Yeah, increasingly, we're seeing states misuse their public accommodation laws to target religious organizations and even businesses. You probably know about the, the cases of, of cake artist Jack Phillips. And then ADF also has another case before the U.S. Supreme Court right now, 303 Creative, involving website designer. In those cases, the state of Colorado were threatening artists with punishment if they wanted to live consistently with their faith, if they wanted to create artwork uh, consistently with their religious beliefs about marriage and gender. So what we've seen across the country, not just in New York and not just in Colorado, is government officials and activists increasingly misusing the law to target people they disagree with. But the First Amendment protects against this kind of overreach. It protects the expressive and religious decisions of these organizations. Now, in many cases, they win, but it's very costly, time-consuming, emotionally draining to have to go through all of this to see your day in court. And of course, Jack Phillips, every time he wins, he's drugged back into the court. So this is there's clearly collusion on the side of the left with many allies in government to do this. But let me ask you this question, uh, Jake. Do you expect to see more of these types, type cases if the Congress were to codify the Supreme Court redefinition of marriage from Obergefell into federal statute? I think we could see governments using such laws to target Christian business owners, uh, not only in states like Colorado and New York, but all around the country at that point. But thankfully, courts are starting to recognize that this kind of interference is unconstitutional. It violates the First Amendment. They can't do that. So uh, no matter what happens in Congress, I think we have reason to hope that the courts are going to protect the religious uh, freedom of uh, businesses and organizations around the country. Well, we're certainly grateful for the tremendous work that Alliance Defending Freedom 
uh, does, along with many of our other allies in the uh, public uh, sphere of legal protection. So, uh, Jake, I want to thank you for joining us today, and congratulations uh, on this victory. Thanks again, and thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Always glad to have you guys on. You know, a part of this strategy, as Jake made reference to, is uh, intimidation. If they can intimidate others by targeting one agency, because a lot of people are not going to have the courage nor the stamina to go through a very public legal battle. And of course, you don't see the backside of this where the left targets many of these people, the, the hostile, hateful, vile emails and messages and packages dropped off at their homes. Folks, we have to stand for religious freedom. And I want to encourage you again to contact your senators and encourage them not to vote for the Disrespect for Marriage Act and to stand for religious freedom. And the other thing we have to do is we have to use our freedom to protect our freedom. We will not give up these fundamental freedoms without a fight. And I believe if we fight, we'll be successful. All right, don't go away. More Washington Watch on the other side of this break. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. This is Washington Watch, and I'm Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And remember, you can register for a free family pass to the Pray Vote Stand Summit. We're going to have a drawing on Friday. Text the word SUMMIT to 67742. That's the word SUMMIT to 67742, and you will be registered for that uh, family pass to win a free family pass. The World Professional Association for Transgender Health, WPATH, 
will soon release its standards of care version 8, which is expected to lower its age recommendations for children to receive gender surgeries. Specifically, it would lower the age of breast removal to 15 years old and bottom surgery, including womb and testicle removal, to 17 years of age. Now, this is a year earlier than the previous guidance. Now, WPATH is expected to release these updated guidance next week, and children's hospitals nationwide will be under the microscope as they decide whether or not they march in lockstep with this organization's guidance, as too many have in the past. Now, is this being driven by science, or is it being driven by politics? Joining me now to discuss this, Dr. Jennifer Bowens, Director of the Center for Family Studies here at the Family Research Council. Uh, Jennifer has extensive clinical and research experience working with survivors of trauma and abuse and has also taught on psychological trauma and research methods in several graduate programs across the nation. Dr. Bowens, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks for having me, Tony. All right, so tell us more about this organization, the World Professional Association for Transgender Health. What type of organization it is? Is it? How much influence do they have with medical providers? Um, unfortunately, they have a lot of influence with medical providers. Um, so basically, they are a an organization, an activist organization, that uh, at least their stated goal is that they promote evidence-based care for transgender people. Um, it, it's really an activist organization under the guise of pseudoscience. And uh, I never thought I'd use my, my research teaching skills to extend to this, to this realm because I always believed in science, loved science. But when I look at the work that's produced by this organization, it is anything but science. It's very, um, very poor quality. And um, there are a few things that I think are important for um, our audience to know. And one is just because some, somebody says evidence-based uh, practice does not mean it's good. Uh, we're we're going to hear that a lot, um, especially with this particular administration, because um, they, they're promoting such radical ideas that have no basis in science. Yeah. I, I don't track this extremely close. I mean, I watch it because obviously it's a growing issue here in the United States. But if I'm not mistaken, we're seeing other countries that are actually saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We got to push the pause button moving too fast. A lot of problems associated with the, this uh, surgical, the surgical procedures being uh, conducted on minors. It, it appears that America is kind of an outlier here. We're going the opposite direction. Yeah. Um, you see other countries that they are actually looking at the science and they see that it's such poor quality that um, and they're getting backlash. Right. So so it's not only the science, um, because, you know, you can kind of wave your hand and, and pretend that it doesn't exist. You can sort of talk over people that maybe don't know the nuances of it and try to make it sound good. But the reality is um, these, particularly youth, are experiencing very painful um, repercussions from these procedures. So it's a combination of the science and, um, and these unfortunate experiences that we're observing with these young people. And, and they're coming out and saying, this was harmful. I was not given full um, informed consent. 
I didn't really know what I was signing up for when um, when I was sold this bill of goods. Um, so yes, you see uh, lots of European nations backing away from these practices because you know they're going to get sued. Right. Um, <laughs> so so Dr. Bowens, um, we see them moving this lower in age, and I can only expect that we'll see them trying to push it even lower. But when you look at the cognitive ability of of young people, the emotional development, we actually should probably be pushing it out further when you consider when someone is actually fully developed mentally. Yes, absolutely. And and common sense tells us this. Um, All we have to do is look at uh, any teenager and some of the risky behaviors that they engage in. And that's primarily because their prefrontal cortex is not developed. So, um, and we think about our own lives. What were the, some of the stupid things that we did growing up that we said, oh gosh, I, I wish, had I known now, um, I would have never done that um, X, Y, Z. And um, certainly these uh, young people are offered life-changing um, inter- uh, quote-unquote interventions. Um, that and I just to go back to my point about evidence-based practice. Um, evidence-based just means whatever's available. So Tony, that means I can s- develop some intervention and then may, you know maybe have a few web surveys and invite a few people to comment on that. And as we come to a consensus and say this is the best practice for I don't know helping someone get off coffee or something. Don't right. send that my way. Um, but that, then, then we say it's evidence-based, and that's what these folks are doing, and it's to the detriment of, of young people. So, Jennifer, up against a break, but the science doesn't back the lowering of this age. Absolutely not. And, and again, common sense tells us that, too. Okay. So we'd really have to have great evidence to say otherwise to, to go against our, 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 what we know in everyday right. life. Jennifer, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Tony. All right, folks, stick around. Dr. Keenan Curitan joins me next to talk about a survey of Christian pastors that, quite frankly, is shocking and alarming. That's next. Don't go away. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. 
Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. All right. Plan to join us in Atlanta next week for FRC and FRC Action's Pray, Vote, Stand Summit. Now, at the summit, you're going to hear from conservative leaders like uh, Sam Brownback, former ambassador at large for international religious freedom, Dr. Ben Carson, who was secretary of HUD, Senator James Langford, Governor Mike Huckabee, Dr. Al Mohler, Ali Beth Stuckey, and... Uh, Jensen Franklin, and uh, the list goes on and on. You can find out more by going to the website, prayvotestand.org slash summit. It's all right there. In fact, as I mentioned earlier, uh, today and tomorrow, if you'd like to register for a free family pass, we're going to have a drawing on Friday. Simply text the word summit to 67742. Now, also on uh, Friday, if you're a high school or university student, you're invited to a special free worldview session at the summit on Friday from 4 to 7, where you can ask anything about today's most controversial issues. You can wrestle with the questions about the harms of critical race theory, get insight on how to address the LGBTQ issues, uh, or hear how you can engage in a loving and impactful way. So... That's coming up this next week, and we invite you to be a part of it. A new survey from Arizona Christian University and FRC Senior Fellow at the Center for Biblical Worldview, Dr. George Barna, shed some disheartening light with polling and with survey data that shows that few of America's pastors are biblically informed. For example, just 41% of senior pastors have a biblical worldview. And as uh, we've talked about before, with George, you can't teach what you don't have. Now, 39% contend that there is no absolute moral truth. I'm not sure how you can pick up a Bible and believe that. And as difficult as it may be to believe, 30% do not believe their salvation is based on accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now, how did we get here? Could this be a part of the cultural drift 
I mean, I think the culture is downstream from the church. If the church is not influencing, and rather it's being influenced by the culture, which is what this sounds like, we're in serious trouble. How do we fix this? Well, join me now to discuss this, Dr. Keenan Curitan, FRC's Vice President for Christian Resources. Prior to coming to FRC, Keenan was a pastor himself for more than 20 years. Keenan, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to be with you, Tony. All right. Let's just start with this. What surprised you most about the results of uh, this survey of pastors? Oh, where do you start? I mean, <laughs> this is just astounding. Um, you know, one third or more of the senior pastors believe that, you know, sex outside of marriage is okay. Um, you know, moral truths up to each individual, you know, we live your own truth. Holy Spirit is not a living person, the Trinity. Reincarnation is a real possibility. This is more than a third of senior pastors who believe that. And then, of course, you know, socialism is preferable to capitalism. But one of the big things for us, because we work on this issue all the time, uh, human life is sacred. One third or more pastors don't believe that. Thirty-eight percent. Shocking. And when we talk about the culture and the impact of this um, drift of, of the church, I mean, what the pulpit prioritizes, the people will practice. Mm. And so if the pulpit doesn't prioritize the Word of God and the teaching of the Word of God, then why would we expect the people to practice it? Absolutely. And I think it comes back to their own personal practice. Yeah. I think the pastors themselves, uh, they're scrolling through their social media feeds instead of studying the Scriptures. I think they're, you know, plagiarizing the messages of other pastors instead of working and praying through the the text of Scripture to get a fresh word from God. I think they're drinking from broken cisterns of the culture instead of going to the fountain of living waters, which is what the Bible says we should do, go to the Lord. So, Dr. Kirchner, let me step back for just a moment, uh, and let's talk about who was surveyed in Mm -hmm. this survey, because we're talking about evangelical pastors. So what, what type of pastors are we talking about? I mean, this ran the whole gamut. I mean, if you look at Georgia's survey, if you drill down on it, it's Catholics, uh, to charismatics and everything in between. I mean, it was evangelicals, non-denominational, uh, African-American churches, you name it. I mean, it was just all across the map, and that's the results here. But these stats we were talking about here pertain to evangelical pastors. Right, that was evangelical pastors. Uh, and it just, it runs, you so know, what, let me just start, let, What's the definition of evangelical? <laughs> I'm beginning to wonder. Uh, because, you know, as George defines a biblical worldview and you look at those core characteristics and beliefs, if these guys don't hold this, I'm wondering if they really are evangelical. I mean, <laughs> these things we just talked about are really at the core yeah. of being an evangelical. Right. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons. In fact, folks, um, Dr. Barnett is going to be at the Pray Vote Stand Summit last night, uh, ne- next week. He'll be speaking uh, next Friday. So, again, I encourage you, if you're uh, within driving distance, come and be a part of the Pray Vote Stand Summit. Um, it's one of the reasons we've moved away from the term evangelical, you know, moving more to the, the sage con, the spiritually mm-hmm. active, governance-engaged, conservative that being individuals who are motivated out of their faith, which 
presupposes or defines somewhat of a biblical worldview. Not all sage cons have a biblical worldview, but it's more fully developed than what we see in some of these pastors. Absolutely. That's the scary part because, I mean, what, what a pastor's do, and I was a pastor for 20 years. A pastor's a shepherd. He's the lead and feed and guide and guard the flock. And if you really boil it down to, to one thing Paul said there in 2 Timothy 4.2, he said, preach the word. Right. But that's it. I mean, that, and, and you can't preach it if you don't know it and you don't take time to study it and, uh, you know, read it yourself. And it shows a lack of respect for it. And that's what we're seeing in the pulpits because of these weird beliefs that George has ferreted out in this poll. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to hold those beliefs if you're actually in the Word because they are cl- clearly counter to the teaching of the Word of God. Absolutely. So, you know, clearly we see we have a problem, and I right. would connect it to the cultural drift. Actually, it's not a drift. It's a downward spiral uh, rapidly. And we're in a tailspin, I think, culturally. And I, I put a lot of this on to, to, to the church. I mean, we're the salt and the light. That we're the president. The, the, we, we preserve the culture. That's what salt does. It preserves. So what's, what's the remedy? What is the, what, what's the prescription here to turn this around, to bring the church back to being that salt, uh, that preservative for the culture, mm-hmm. that light for people to, to find their way out of darkness? We need to get back to what George uh, talked about on on in his survey. The results here, uh, he said that people don't these pastors don't have a regular spiritual routine. They're not regularly in the Word daily. They're not praying daily. And he said that would fix a lot of this. And that's why we came up. You came up with the Bible reading plan. Uh, you know, frc.org forward slash Bible so that people can get in the Word of God every day, 15 minutes, doesn't take a lot of time, and we engage the Word every day. And brick by brick, God can build those beliefs that are the hallmark of, of the Christian faith. And, you know, as we mentioned, you've been in the ministry, you were a pastor for, uh, for over 20 years. When you see where our country and our culture is today, frankly, in the, in the reason we're doing a Bible reading, and it's not just we're promoting it to our constituents, we're doing it as a, as a team. Our, yes. our entire organization is doing this every day. We start our day sharing thoughts from the daily Bible reading. But given where our country is at, given the, the, the growing hostility toward biblical faith, frankly, I don't see how the church survives unless it goes back to the Word of God, standing on the Word of God, finding our place in the timeline of human history, knowing that this is not unique, that the church has always been under pressure. We've always been a peculiar people walking in a different direction than the rest of the world. And in that we find comfort because God has always been the strength and the protection for his people. Absolutely. You know, I think you probably wrote this conclusion for George. (laughs) He said to to see American culture transformed will require uh, a, a, a pastors devoted to repentance and the scriptures unlike anything we've seen in more than a century. And until that happens, there's little hope of America becoming a godly, Bible-friendly nation once again. He nailed it. Oh. So did you. And we see that we see that occurring. We see the churches that are actually preaching the Word of God that are counterculture, 
they're challenging the culture. They are facing the, the shutdowns. They refuse to, you know, they, we, we all went along with the initial when we didn't know about the COVID. But then when we realized that they were using this in an authoritarian manner, many of these churches said, hey, no, we have an obligation to preach the truth. They paid a price for it, but they're also benefiting from it because people are attracted to the truth. Those are the churches that are growing. Absolutely. Absolutely. It goes, it goes back to that fountain of living water. People are looking for the solutions to life, and you find them in God's Word. So It's just a matter of having, I think for pastors, we're talking about pastors here, having the courage to preach the Word. But in order to preach it, you've got to be in it. Absolutely. And I have found, you know, this is my, I don't know how many times I've gone through our two-year journey. You know, it's the second time we've done it uh, through FRC, but I did it prior to that. I've never had... I've never had to search for a sermon because there's a sermon every day. Absolutely. In which you read the Word of God. And the Word of God preaches itself. It's just a matter of studying it, meditating upon it, praying through it. Mm -hmm. But the Lord said, the the Word of God says that it is His Word that will not return unto Him void. It's not our illustrations as as important as they might be. It's not our, our humor as much as I like that. Uh, it's not the order of our services. It is his word. I believe, and this is what I practice, I believe more pastors need to read from the word of God in the pulpit, preach based upon that passage of scripture yes. in the context in which it is written, but do so in, in fact, Haley's handbook, Bible handbook, which was the first book that I, first theological book that I had, states in there that one way to change America would be for every pastor to preach from the Word of God every week based upon a Bible reading plan for his congregation that they read and then he preaches and then they are in sync with one another in a journey through Scripture. Mm, and that's how lives are transformed. It is the Word. It, it, again, it's not, not to take anything away from preaching. I, I think preaching's great, but it's the Word. Absolutely. That's what has the power. It's living and active like a double-edged sword. And, yeah. and for those families that may not be in a church like that, and I, we hear from them you know, asking, hey, is there a church around that we can go to? But moms and dads, you have responsibility too. And, and that is one of the reasons we did the Bible reading plan, not for pastors necessarily, although we've challenged them with it. It's for moms, it's for dads, it's for families to go on this journey through the Bible together. Absolutely. And that that's the thing. Even if you can't find a Bible preaching pastor, which I hope they can, and we've got a bunch of watchmen pastors out there across the country, and if you can't find them, uh, call us. We'll try to hook you up. But if you can't find one, at least, at least take your family through this Bible reading plan. The way you set it up, you set it up, you did it with your family, you modeled it, and then you shared it with us, and now we're sharing it with others. But you can do this every day. Uh, you know, send those questions to your kids, engage with them, have them read through the Word of God with you, and as a family, then get together on Sunday and you get strengthened by the discussion and what God has said to each member in that family. And it's amazing what God can do. It's you know, maybe coming up on a decade or so that we've been doing that in uh, our home, but Sundays are a really special day for us as we uh, just. You know, everybody goes around the table, and we start with the youngest, 
work their way up to, to me, the oldest. And we, we talk about what did God show you in his word today? And it's, it's amazing how events of the week come into the discussion. And so it becomes then a biblical worldview discussion. Yes. And, you know, not, not, I don't, you know, parents, you don't have to be intimidated by this. It's not, you don't have to have a theological degree to have this conversation just discussing the word of God. Yes. And the word of God teaches itself. It really does. It really does. And and we've seen that in our in our morning meetings, as you've talked about, uh, just going through the Word together, reading the Word together, and the commentary that comes from the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. using the Word of God uh, to speak to each member of the team and then speaking to in, into each other's lives uh, what God has said. It's just amazing to watch what, what God does around that circle. Well, and, and that's exactly what the Lord told Moses as the children of Israel were coming into the promised land. As you sit down, as you rise up, as you walk in the way, mm. discuss the Word of God. It yes. will shape and transform your life. Dr. Keenan Curitan, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining me in studio today. Great to be with you, Tony. And folks, you can find out more about that Bible reading plan. Go to frc.org Bible or go to TonyPerkins.com. And as I mentioned at the top of the program, each weekday you can join me at 844 Eastern Time for a short devotional based upon the daily reading. You can find that at TonyPerkins.com and at Facebook as well, while they still tolerate the Word of God. Great to have you with us today. I encourage you again, register for the Pray Vote Stand Summit. You can also register for a free pass for your family. Text the word SUMMIT to 67742, and we'll have a drawing on Friday. Again, that is SUMMIT to 67742. And and tune in to uh, Mike Huckabee's show this weekend. I'll be on with uh, Governor Mike Huckabee on his show. Till next time. Let me leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.